0: hi, and welcome to Thumbing Through Yesterday, the podcast where we take our favorite books off the shelf, blow the dust off them, and remind ourselves why it is we love them so. My name's Tom Gavley, and joining me today, we've got Tony Pasquale. Thanks for having me. And today, we are going back to one of my favorites. This uh, is late grade school and early high school for me, Uh, Patrick McManus, A Fine and Pleasant Misery.
1: Yeah, and as always, why this book no not why this book why is this book a favorite
0: you know there's you know in in reading through this so many memories come flooding back both of the book itself and the shared experience my best friend and i and tim parker during that point in my life um we used to do this we used to go out camping um -hmm. you know with minimalist equipment you know (laughs) the sort of thing where we would grab a blanket and a two by four and saw horses and call it a tent um go out in the woods his family had a a horse farm, Um, you know, so we'd like just go out to the back pasture or just in the woods on the other side of the pasture, you know, for our grand, you know, and so much of this just resonates. I mean, he's the, uh, McManus is a much more humorous writer and he exaggerates the details and puts them together in ways that, you know, never really coalesce. But the idea of it, this idea that we were voluntarily doing this stuff to ourselves um, (laughs) and calling it fun uh, just really resonated
1: but it, but you have fond memories of it so in what sense was it not fun
0: the same sort of sense that <laughs> you know can you can look back on a story about being sick and find humor in it. When at the time, all you were was sick. You know, it's like, when well, we went on that vacation I spent the entire week in the hotel room with, with diarrhea, right? That was not fun at the time, but later yeah. on when you're trotting the story out, you can find yeah. amusement in the story. All right. right. So, you know, sleeping or lying on the bumpy ground wrapped in a blanket, you know, with rocks in your back and bugs crawling on you and freezing. At the time, <laughs> you did not <laughs> say, wow, what a great time I'm having. Um, so you did not have actual fun. Well, there was actual fun as okay. well, right? Yeah. You know, I think so. It wasn't unconditional misery, you know. But you know, we we played soldier in the woods, you know, and and getting the fire going, and and our attempts at cooking, you know, whatever we had taken to pass for food.
1: There's something about being a certain age. When you're young, every new experience is a new experience. It's indelible. Yep. It's striking. It's colorful, and and that's something you you lose as you get older because you have so many other experiences to slot it into and compare it to. Uh, it's hard for something to be, you know, as mind blowing as when you were 10, you know, when you're 50, uh, it's just really hard to blow your mind when you're 50. Uh, <laughs> this is true. And, and if something does happen that blows your mind when you're 50, that's usually bad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, definitely, I, I connected with this book a lot too for, for the similar reasons. Question, because I don't know the answer to this. Uh, where did you grow up?
0: Louisiana, rural Louisiana,
1: North Central. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I so I definitely expected you to grow up somewhere rural because this is just, you know, if you had an opportunity to to hunt and camp and fish, did
0: you hunt at all when you were a kid? I did a bit of hunting. Well, I yeah. did a bit of walking around in the woods with a gun.
1: <laughs> um, I, I did some of that. Only with a BB gun, though, never with a real gun. Never went deer hunting, had an opportunity to, declined. Uh,
0: yeah, I Went deer hunting a few times, never, well, from my perspective, never successfully from the deer's perspective, I'm sure it was, you know, successful events.
1: That actually, that is one of my favorite stories in this collection. Uh, is the one where he talks about the deer hunting, um, and and he does he talks he goes on and on and on about what it means to be a yup or a nope. Mm-hmm. Do you have your first uh, deer or do you not? Uh, and and he goes out deer hunting and doesn't bag a deer, but still becomes in his mind a yup because
0: of the experience. Yeah, the, the yeah. hunt was the experience, exactly. not not the culmination, but yeah. the the journey was the. The yes, off, the yep. journey
1: is its own reward. Yeah, that was wonderful. That was a wonderful story. I, several of these stories I really enjoyed. Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> and this is where and this is where you came to this book I think in an earlier age than I did, uh, and also you have a different uh, sensibility about humor than I think I do. So when we read Douglas Adams, you really like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mm-hmm. and I really like. Um, Gently's Gently, yeah. agency. And this reminds me very much of Hitchhiker's
0: Guide. It did. There's yeah. a lot of the similar humor there and, yeah. and the turns of phrase are also delightful. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think I said when we were talking about Hitchhikers, you could open the, the book to any random page, pick a random paragraph and start reading and it would be something that was delightful. And I feel yeah. the same way about this. You know, any given sentence, any given paragraph you pick out is, is going to be a gem for some reason.
1: I would say any given page you pick out or paragraph, there's going to be some humor on it. and but, but the humor for me got in the way of the storytelling a lot of the time. It was like, ah, I don't need that. And the thing is, he's so funny— at other times, there's humor that comes out of character there's humor that comes out of situation uh, that is just absolutely delightful and sparkles and then he'll throw in a needless comparison to the size of a thing being as big as an elephant and mm-hmm. it's just like it's it's pretty tired joke uh, and I just I, I would have you know we're talking about editing we're talking about editing last last time I would have edited out about half of the humor in this book and enjoyed it twice as much I think
0: yeah. That's fair enough. I did not remember when I picked this uh, again, I, I probably haven't touched this since my sophomore year in high school. Yeah, um, I did not remember it being as fragmented as it was. And in, in my mind, it was like, Two or three novellas crammed together in a book. Um, Interesting, and, yeah. and it's actually just a series. These these could have run as columns, you know, in a sportsman's guide or something like I that. I believe they did. Yeah, think I think they originally columns. They certainly kind of feel. I, like I read it.
1: the introduction, and I believe that's where they come from. He ran. He read a column. Wrote a column for a magazine.
0: I thought that was yeah. They definitely talked about the fact he was a, a columnist, but I didn't know if these were the columns or if field that was s- just field and stream. Field and stream. Yeah, straight
1: up field and stream. Damn, yeah, there we go. We had Field and Stream laying around when I was a kid, but I don't remember ever reading Patrick
0: McManus. Huh. Well, I wonder if that's where I was introduced to him, huh? Could be. We didn't have it around the house, but I was certainly friends with lots of people who did. Yeah. Now, he, uh, he shares a trait with Stephen King, an unfortunate trait with Stephen King, in that he can't end his stories. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I don't know how many there are in here, but I would say that, that two-thirds of them suffer from lack of ending um,
1: yeah, and some and of them King I think he really like nails that. the ending, like the one about the hunting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, yeah. And I, I think this is a, you know, I, I again would blame the humor for this. It's like you throw a lot of humor, you sprinkle a lot of humor on something. It's like throwing a lot of sugar on there, and you don't notice there's no nutritional value, and <laughs> and and the 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 sad thing about that is that I think he's actually a very good writer, and he's got some great insight into that outdoor experience, and particularly particularly that nostalgia of the outdoor experience for the, for uh, your youth. And And because he's making these things so delightful and funny to read, no one's pushing back on this. Mm-hmm. And because he's succeeding at it, he's not digging in himself. And I, I would love to see this writer kind of ditch that crutch. And, and really dig into that experience. And I think he's, you know, I think he's really onto something here. The way, again, like Stephen King, the way Stephen King at moments, he just go, oh my God, this guy can write. He just digs into an experience and nails it so beautifully. And then he goes off on some weird tangent.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So coming to this for the first time at, at 59, uh, not having read it in high school. Um, and a lot of this humor is kind of dated too. It's sort of a, a humorous style, which yeah. is very Douglas Adams or Dave Barry, even uh, humor for humor's sake. A lot of that was kind of like, eh, 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 eh. But uh, but some of these stories were still wonderful, and some of these stories brought me back to my childhood. You know, fishing in the fishing in the crick. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> there's a definite difference between a crick and a creek, you know. And it's nice to see that articulated <laughs> and, and brought out in prints like that. Yeah. Yeah, these were, I remember this being just so much fun. And again, you know, we would, you know, we would share the stories as they related to our experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a story he does about backpacking, which I was convinced was in this book, but is not. Uh. Um, but he talks about, uh, you know, he's, he goes on about the backpacks two or three times, you know, the oversized, over everything. Mm-hmm. But the... the um, there's a technique for descending a mountain called the whip slam, where as you're near the top of the mountain, you lose your footing, and your backpack whips you around, and then you slam into the side of the mountain, and you proceed to whip slam your way back down to where you started from. You know, But that didn't make it. That's in a different McManus book somewhere. That's, that's a shame. Looking at Amazon, I had no real idea of how many of these he had written. So...
1: He has several collections, and this collection has yep. about, like 20 stories in it. So, uh, and they are, I think that's, a, that's another thing that holds holds these back from being better than they could be, uh, is that their column length. And, yeah, and, and therefore I kind of, you know, I was complaining about satisfying. the
0: lack of ending. I wonder if some of that's a word count issue. You know, I'm if you're sure. sitting at the, at the typewriter, I'm sure at the time, merrily writing along and then suddenly realizing, well, I've got two inches <laughs> and <laughs> I've still not done with the story, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, but some of these terms of phrase, like you were saying, are just wonderful. So I highlighted some that I really enjoyed. He's talking about how he's going camping as a kid and how you have to bring a machete. Uh, the machete <laughs> yes. was needed any time you had to, to slash out your own trail. This necessity arose more often than a person who is not a kid with a machete might think.
0: <laughs> he talks about the lengths to which you have to travel to find a place in need of a trail. Yeah. <laughs> and their most successful trail, which became a clothesline. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Yeah. If you've ever tried, those of you that haven't, if you've ever tried to hack a trail with a machete, it is exhausting. Yeah. Um, you know, to, if, if you're actually somewhere that needs hacking, if you move forward a foot, you probably spent 500 calories yeah. um, and you have blisters at this point. You know, it's it's absurd what you see in movies where people just kind of swinging and walking. But yeah, for all a it, child, that was what it was all about.
1: I had a I had an image of what that was supposed to be like, and I went out looking for trails to do that on, and just and it's just like yeah it's just it's too it's not worth the effort all all you can really do with a machete on a trail is if there's a branch which is blocking the trail and there's several people behind you who are going to have to yeah, 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 negotiate that branch branch you can hack it down and toss it aside and make life marginally easier for everyone behind you yep but if there's two of you it's just not worth it
0: yeah so except the when it is the point
1: <laughs> yeah except when it is
0: the point yes <laughs> i have a machete i must hack Yeah. Yeah, they were just, uh, I ended up not highlighting, you know, I started out and I was just highlighting every third sentence. I was like, okay, this is never going to work. So I ended up not highlighting anything or taking notes on it, but just kind of just enjoying revisiting this, Yeah, you know, and, you know, being reintroduced to Rancid Crabtree, Strange the Dog. Who was the the Army surplus store? Grogan's. Grogan's, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, army surplus stores are amazing. I spent a lot of time in an army surplus store when I was a kid too. Just like we had to travel quite a
0: ways to get to an army surplus store. The the nearest one, the closest one, was in Shreveport. It was about an hour and a half from our house. Oh wow!
1: So that made it quite an adventure then.
0: Yeah, so it was it was something to be looked forward to. You know, it was the sort of thing that once we got into high school and we were fifteen and old enough to drive. Oh my God, can you imagine? (laughs) Um, But yeah, fifteen and old enough to drive. You know, we would. You know, Tim and I would. He had this little yellow Chevy pickup. Um, that he called T-Bone, but you know, it was it was literally as wide as two teenage boys sitting shoulder to shoulder, right, yeah. with a stick shift jammed in between us. And we would drive up to Shreveport to root around in the Army Surplus store with, you know, $12 in our pocket. There's something about, so
1: the my Army Surplus store was not technically speaking an Army Surplus store. It was a, just a discount store that had all kinds of crap in it, like a combination between a dollar store and they had a bunch of... Army surplus stuff that they would get and stick on the shelves, yeah, because they were just moving anything they would sell. Uh, but it was fun enough. Yeah. But there's something about an army surplus store. Like I will still go drive out to Sand Island when I when I'm directing a play that's set anywhere near uh, sort of a military theme and mm-hmm. just you know look for costumes and props and it is just it's just fun environment to be in.
0: It's a fun environment it has a unique smell that, yeah. <laughs> the, that, that rotting canvas smell yeah. yeah
1: and there's there's just always stuff you want to buy and it's like ah oh, I just, I do not need this for the play. Well how can I force this into the play? <laughs> so I have an excuse to buy it yeah it's only
0: ten dollars. <laughs> yeah I need this yep
1: I still have a wooden ammo box that I got for Henry V and my justification was, they're gonna carry their bows and arrows in this big heavy box. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, yeah. ridiculous, but I wanted that box, still have it. Yeah, I made an end table um, that I used for my reading lamp at night out of a wooden ammo box. Oh yeah? Yeah. Nice.
1: All right, so how much of the fun of revisiting this was revisiting the particular columns and McManus's writing, and how much of it was revisiting uh, the past that it reminds you of?
0: You know, I would split it I was gonna say right down the middle, but I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm gonna go out on the limb and say maybe two-thirds of it was the the feeling of nostalgia that it that it brought up, and maybe a third of it was uh, was the humor itself.
1: All right. I okay, honestly, I like to hear that because I think that's one of the great things that we estimate underestimate about rereading a favorite book is, is how much it transports you back in time. To when you first read that and who mm-hmm. you were, and it just like it just comes with a flood of associated memories. And and that's incredible. Yeah. So yeah.
0: And there are definitely I mean, there are some places I'm reading and I'm chuckling aloud because yeah. you know the the phrasing is so clever. The 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 thing about the cows and the, the fishing stream. Oh um, yeah. You know, that whole thing had me in stitches. I never really fished as a kid, but I had other experiences that You, you didn't know, fish as a kid? Wow. It was just not something that we did. Yeah. Did you not have creeks and lakes? We had creeks, uh, <laughs> we had lakes, but you know there were other things that one could do to enjoy a creek and a lake. Okay. Yeah, splashing around and paddling through, and occasionally, if you were really bold, uh, really bold, swimming in. Yeah, lake swimming right. is sketchy at best. But <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, I did a lot of fishing as a kid, and and I have great memories of that. There was a there was a big creek, Bishop Creek, ran through our ran through our town, and it was. Uh, it was shallow enough that you could just wade through it. You know, it was like, yeah. I don't know, a foot deep maybe, deeper in places. Uh, you could go rock hopping in it. You could catch your own bait there. We would catch mayfly nymphs. Uh, just turn over a rock and grab a really fresh mayfly nymph, it was excellent bait, uh, and pull trout out of the stream and cook it for dinner. It was great. Oh.
0: Yeah, Yeah. no, that was not uh, that was not my experience. <laughs> but yeah, stomping through the woods with a shotgun, hoping for squirrels or... Rabbits, or that I that you know, I never did I had, a lot of that. Yeah. wasn't all that terribly successful. Probably the stomping through part was not <laughs> the right way to go about it. But at the time, you know, what did I know?
1: He had a he has a great quote about that, which I highlighted. So he talks about how I um, was going to say
0: it's just the one his about dog. how to fish a creek.
1: No, uh, so he talks about his dog Strange, who made slightly less noise going through the woods than an armored division through a bamboo jungle. Nevertheless, we usually manage to get a few birds, apparently, because they thought that anything that made that much noise couldn't possibly be hunting. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that is fun. Yeah, so that's actually a great example of the, the first sentence of that is a little bit of humor that I don't like comparing the dog and his, his noise to an armored division. I think it's not necessary. It's just uh, a it's, it's sort of a hyperbole that he leans on a lot. But the the second thing, the observational humor of and the anthropomorphization of the of the bird saying, "Oh yeah, they're they're making so much noise. They can't possibly be hunters." Right. That is hilarious to me. Yeah, and he does both of those things, and he just
0: and he jams them together. So well, maybe he's figuring half of his audience will like one <laughs> joke and half of like the other. I don't know.
1: Uh, sure. Yeah, Shakespeare did the same <laughs> thing. Shakespeare was like, "You want high humor? You want uh, you want clever puns and illusions? I got those. You want fart jokes? I got those too." Yeah. I will play to the gallimaufry. Yep.
0: Yeah, but the, I mean that's the same technique as he describes in fishing in a creek. You have to have a, enough weight on your thing so it makes a genuine splash when you cast it, and the fish mm-hmm. just think you're dumping garbage <laughs> into the river, not that you're <laughs> out there fishing. You know. Yeah, model T's and old tires. And.
1: Uh, my favorite passage in this whole book is he talking about the river rafting exhibition ex- <laughs> expedition, uh, and they're gonna. Everyone's warning them about the narrows, and they go through the narrows very early on. It's like, that wasn't so bad. What were they warning us about? And they decide to continue on at night. Mm-hmm. And then that means that they are half asleep and in the dark when they encounter the real narrows. Uh, and we get this great paragraph. I will not attempt to tell what shooting the narrows in the middle of the night was like about the paddles snapping in our hands like matchsticks, about the river wrapping the raft around us like dough around three frightened wieners. <laughs> blah 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 the part where the raft was on top of us and the river was on top of the raft yep just ah i love that yep he's got a
0: lot of good (laughs) good writing in there he really does he really does and there's like you say the the parallels between what he does and what douglas adams does are just striking you know the way they they paint with language
1: so question did he ever write anything other than columns did he ever attempt a longer form piece
0: well you know looking through amazon the the, the books that popped up at the top of the list anyway were all collections. Hmm. Um, so I don't know that he didn't, but it wasn't like in the top 10 things that people buy by Patrick McManus. So okay. I'm going to go out on limb and say he's not known for his long form if it exists. He, um, I mean, if you've got a full-time job as a columnist
1: and you're banging out, you know, monthly columns, maybe you don't have time to do anything else. Although he did say he aspires to be an idler. Uh, yep. Yeah, and, and succeeded in that. Yeah, he was taking... Lessons in idleness from... from Rancid Crabtree. Rancid Crabtree. And yep. didn't realize until he was 30 years old that Rancid had successfully instructed him. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The short one on the, the care and feeding of an old man, that was just, that was delightful. That was very delightful. That was very sentimental. Yeah. And just
1: and just lovely. Yes. Yeah. You got to have a, you got to have a, as a young boy, you got to have an old man in your life. And maybe it's your dad, but maybe your dad doesn't have time to be your old man. So you get you borrow an old man from someone else, yeah, yeah, uh yeah, greatest day in his life when his best friend moved away and he got to have his old man his just best to friend's himself. Old man yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 so many good things, so many gems in there, you know, and again they there. if I was reading this for the first time, I think I would find some joy in it, but again, yeah. with the you know remembering remembering yeah. how just stunningly hilarious it was at the time and you know the shared memories of discovering this with a good friend and the shared experiences that Patrick McManus is describing for us but better than we could ever describe ourselves yeah
1: it was it was a fun read I enjoyed it and I I got a lot out of it so yeah stylistically not completely in line with my taste but that's okay
0: Uh, It's very divergent from other things that we've done in the podcast so far yeah Oh, we're going to diverge some more. Yeah. Are we? Yeah, are,
1: we are. Yeah. I don't know if we're at that stage yet. We still have more to say about this book? You know what?
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually good. Like I said, I actually didn't take any notes or highlight anything. Just, right. just, I just really am glad that I went back and read this one again. This, this was, this was the sort of feeling I was hoping when I came up with the idea for the podcast.
1: Well, then I think you nailed it. I think this is, this is exactly what revisiting a favorite book should be like. And we do a lot of critique of these books and how they stand Mm -hmm. up and how they hold up, you know, 20, 30, 40 years (laughs) later. Uh, And, but that's not the point of a favorite book. Uh, You can enjoy a favorite book. You don't have to pass it on to someone else. You don't, you don't have to share it with the world or defend it against anyone else's opinion. Uh, A favorite is a favorite and you can just enjoy it and, and uh, you know, revel in the pleasure that it brings you. Indeed. Yes. So well done. All right. So, so <laughs> next,
0: <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about this, but uh. Uh,
1: next we're going to be reading a book called Appaloosa by Robert B. Parker, which is a fricking Western. And it's a little bit of a cheat, uh, because I don't think it's 20 years old, which has been my sort of arbitrary cutoff point for, uh, for what makes something yesterday. Uh, I'm trying to stick to both 20 years old or older. Um, but I picked this book because Robert B. Parker is probably one of my favorite authors of all time, uh, and there's a lot of books that are considerably older. They're 40 years old, and I've read all of them. But I don't think any of them are a good entry point for you. Okay, I think starting with the first Spencer novel would be very disappointing. Starting with something in the middle would be ridiculous. Uh, but this is a, a kind of a classic Parker book that shares a lot of qualities with his earlier books, except that it's not a detective novel. It's a Western.
0: Uh, All right. but
1: thematically, it's very much in line with his other one. I
0: don't know when the last time I picked up a Western was. So I'm I, I'm I am not a Western reader
1: myself. I read this one because it's by Robert B. Parker. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, looking forward to that then. All right. We'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.